to enter into the time of communion, and as we lead up to that, I, I, I want to share a word that I hope will challenge you and, and, and encourage us at the same time. Uh, with all that's happening in the world, people have asked, and I've seen this on social media, maybe you have uh, too, people have asked, is this the end times? Is this the last days? And I see people commenting on this all over, all over the place. And the study of end times or what is called eschatology, as it's sort of officially called in theological terms, the word eschatology arises from the uh, Greek word eschatos, meaning last, meaning last. So we talk about the last days, ology meaning the study of. So the study of, when we talk about eschatology, we're talking about the study of end times or last, last things. So it's a big area. It's a big area of uh, study. And I, I just want to say right here and now, I am no expert. But what I do know is that it is clear from the New Testament narrative that even in the time of Jesus, even in the time of Jesus and the apostles, that it was, sorry, let me read it again. Even in the time of Jesus and the apostles, that the end of days was near, even then. In 1 Peter 4 verse 7, it says, the end of all things is near. The end of all things is near. And so I want to say this, if it was near then, I guess we can say with some surety that it is nearer now. So what should be our response if the end is near? What should be our response as believers? What should we do? How then should we live? Thankfully, of course, we, we don't have to guess. Scripture helps us, centers us, counsels us, guides us. In this area, here's what scripture says, and Mason, you can put that on the screen now. And I, I want to keep this scripture before you for the whole message because I want it to sink in and I want it to soak in. But it says, The end of all things is, is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind. The end of all things is near. Therefore, because of that, because we know that, therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Thank you, Jesus. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So what should be our response? Or as my study Bible outlines it, what should be my conduct? What should be my conduct in the in the view of the end of all things is near or nearer. And so we can see from the scripture that the apostle Peter, he, he lists out four, four things. The first thing, number one, is pray clearly. Pray clearly. 
Pastor Mason spoke on prayer last week. But it tells us in this passage, it says, it says, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. I've, I've seen it with my father this week. Prayer is powerful. While we were at hospital, I, I bumped into, we both bumped into all kinds of people that we hadn't seen for 20 years. I, I saw this people who used to come to church 20 years ago. And I was, I, I, I was like, Hi, what are you doing? He's like, my wife's here with cancer. I said, in the name of Jesus. God, we pray right now in the middle of the foyer. We, we pray your healing touch for your wife. Because I, I, I was going through it myself. I know what it, when you're desperate, you need to see God move. And so God, in the name of Jesus, would you heal? Dad's now shifted to Kenaparu Hospital. As we were walking in, I saw, or what Nita saw, I didn't see, a lady was sitting in a wheelchair with a cigarette. We recognized her as someone who used to come to church many years ago. For whatever reason, it's, it's a way. We're like, what is wrong? They're like, I've broken my back in three places. And so again, we were able to say in the name of Jesus, God, would you touch this person? Would you heal this person? We have Kathleen in hospital, Kathleen Gibson. Is she home now? Wow, that's cool, that's cool. Come on, somebody thank Jesus for that. Her and dad were coming out of different shells, to be clear, uh, on the same ward. And she's like, hello, Ellen, hello, hello, Kathleen. We met John in the, in the hospital too, so we were able to pray, pray right there, pray with just, just, just lots of people. And then we've got Gil, who's probably watching right now, who was in a hospice this week. He's home now. But Gil, we pray for a miracle right now in your body. We speak to that cancer in the name of Jesus, and we'll pray until we can't pray anymore. God, we pray that you would heal Gil's body. Father God, restore unto him. Touch him right now. In the name of Jesus. And prayer is powerful. The Apostle Paul uses that term, be sober-minded, actually three times in the small letter or the small epistle of 1 Peter. He uses it three times. A little later, he says in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, he says, be sober-minded. Why? He says, be watchful because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. So friends, I want to tell you, we need to be alert in these days. We need to be of sober mind. What is it it saying? It's saying we need to be clear-headed. We need to understand the days and the times we are living in. As the world wokes up, we as the church need to wake up. Come on, somebody. We need to wake up and understand what is going on in the world. The New American Version says this. The end of all things is near. Another version says at hand. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. The Amplified breaks it down even further. It says, the end and culmination of all things is near. Therefore, be sound-minded and self-controlled for the purpose of prayer, staying balanced and focused on the things of God so that your communication will be clear, reasonable, specific, and pleasing to him. Tap your neighbor and say, sober up. We need to be a people who pray. 
Do you? Are you? So what should be our response? What should be our conduct if the end is near or at least near us? Pray clearly. Number two, we're to love deeply. We're to love deeply. It says above all, I don't know what your priorities are, but above all, love each other deeply because listen, love covers over a multitude of sins. Now I want to say something here. It's extremely important to note who Peter is addressing here, who Peter is specifically talking to. He is not talking to the general public world out there. He's not speaking to, to all of humanity. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to the elect. He's speaking to the called out one. He's speaking to believers. That's who he's addressing. That is who he's talking. Look at chapter, verse one, chapter one. See who he's addressing. Peter is specifically speaking to believers, the elect, the called in this letter. He's speaking to the church. And I want to say as a people, as believers together, my brother and my sister, there needs to be a depth of love for one another that moves beyond the shallow and the superficial and into the deep. In fact, such a, a depth of love would be like it, as I've thought about this and mused over and meditated, we're to love each other deeply. There's, there's something about, about it that's almost drowning, that, that, that's over our head kind of love. So easy. Our lives are so shallow sometimes. And it's easy to walk across the shallow. We get offended so easily and upset so easily. But I want to tell you the challenge to us as brothers and sisters that no matter who we are, that we would love one another deeply. There should be not just with a shallow love, not just a, but there should be a covering so deep we feel the weight of it, the pressure of it, the pain of it. an over our heads kind of love. Because that kind of love, listen, that kind of love will cover a multitude of mistakes, sins, and muck-ups. And I've preached on this before years ago, but love, this, this particular verse, but love, when we talk about love covers, to cover something completely, in order to cover the screen, if I was to take a cloth and cover it, in order for it to be fully covered, that which I'm covering it with has to be bigger than the, than the thing that I'm attempting to cover. And so what am I saying? I'm saying that we need to be bigger people. We need to be bigger than our offenses, bigger than our unforgiveness, bigger than our, the things that we consider wrong, bigger than our issues, bigger than our choices, bigger than all those things and need to cover them. I'm saying we need to be bigger people. Bigger than the offense that hurt us. Bigger than my or others' opinions and choices. There needs to be a love among believers. Oh, believers get offended so easy. I'm not going to that church anymore. There needs to be a love among believers that covers, that's deep that is eager to forgive, it just moves on, it just gets the fact that there, but for the grace of God, go I. 
Didn't Jesus say in John chapter 13, verse 35, he's like, this is how people will recognize you. This is how people will know that you are, you are my disciples. This is how they'll understand that you are a follower of me. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. It's not just loving the world. It's having love for one another. And can I say this? This is not about us all thinking the same things, but rather in spite of our differences, in spite of our opinions, choices, views, ideas, in spite of all those things we argue about, that we make sure in the middle of it all, in these days, that we do not lose sight, that above all, above all else, we love each other deeply. That should be our response. That should be our conduct in these last days. We're to one, pray clearly. Number two, love deeply. Number three, we're to be hospitable. We're to offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. What's this saying to me? It's saying don't shut people out, let people in. When was the last time you had someone around at your house? It's a lost art in the church. Listen, people don't, don't open their house like they used to. I, I think social media has messed that up. Because everyone thinks they've got to have a house out of New Zealand, house and garden before you can invite somebody home, to be honest. And it's just complete rubbish. Some of my most memorable moments of fellowship was when someone invited me around for a bowl of soup and some rolls. And yesterday's rotisserie chicken. Yeah. <laughs> or potluck. Yeah. We've lost that ability because we're, we're, we live in this thing where we try to present ourselves as perfect and, 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 and here's my image and here's my thing. Just invite somebody around for lunch. Right. Come on. As you can feel, I'm a bit passionate about this. Offer hospitality, it's the mark of the early church believers. They broke bread in their homes. If you're here today and you're going, what can I do? What can I do? Well, you can do that. You can do that. What can I do for Christ? Well, you can do that. can offer hospitality. So what should be our response, our conduct in these last days? How, how should we act? How should we live with it? One, pray clearly. Two, love deeply. Three, offer hospitality. And number four, serve others. Each of you, it says, each of you should use whatever gift. You've got to understand, I haven't got a gift. You've got gifts. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. It's telling us that whatever gift, whatever talent, whatever skill God has given you, has put put in your hands, that we should be using that to serve others in these days. Can the keys come? This is not a time to hold back or cease serving. The passage goes on to say in 1 Peter 4, verse 11, it says, if anyone serves, listen, 
if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. You know why we serve? We don't serve so somebody goes, wow, you're amazing. Thank you so much. No, no, we serve because we understand God has placed gifts in our lives. And so that in all things we serve, why? That God may be praised, that he might be glorified. If you're waiting for somebody to pat you on the back, it's always going to be a struggle. Somebody's going to forget. But we do it unto him. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. I was reading this week, it came up on a thing I follow, and I was reading about this woman named Mary Slessor. She was a Scottish missionary to Nigeria in the late 1800s. She's known best for putting an end to infanticide, where the witchcraft ritual of murdering twins. Unless Mary arrived in time to prevent it, the mother was believed to be possessed with an evil spirit and would be killed along with the twins. Mary would plead for the mother and often taking the twins into her own home. Being known as the mother to all, she could be seen on her journeys through the jungles and in canoes on rivers. She was often found barefoot carrying in her arms twin babies who she had rescued. She said this, my life is one long daily hourly record of answered prayer for physical health, for mental overstrain, for guidance given marvelously, for errors and dangers averted, for enmity to the gospel subdued, for food provided at the exact hour needed, for everything that goes to make up life and my poor service, I can testify with a full and often wonder-stricken awe that I believe that God answers prayer. Can I encourage you that when you think of service, go deeper. I encourage you, when you think of service, service goes far deeper than just, well, I help out here and I help out there. Oh, I do this, I do my bit. Can I encourage you, when you think about service, think of Mary. Think of Hudson Taylor. Think of those who have come before us. We need to get a new perspective of what service is. Let people like Mary, let that be the context of true sacrificial service. The amazing thing she did, she called it my poor service. Because she understood, God, you have given everything for me. I will hold nothing back from you. So as we prepare for communion, We know that the end of all things is at least nearer. And so let us pray clearly. Let us love deeply. Let us offer hospitality. Let us serve others with the gifts God has given us. 
as we look forward to Christ's return. For He will come again. You can open your cups now and just, uh, if you haven't seen these before, just so you, so you get it on the top, there's a wafer. You can pull down a little bit. On that there's two there's two tops. There's a little plastic thing and that will release the wafer. Just pull down on the little silver thing, the plastic. You should pull that off. There's your wafer. Then you pull off the second layer. It's training today. And there should be your juice. Don't spill it over yourself. Be careful. I was just like, man, it's time to do communion again in this service. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Verse 26, for, listen. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He will come again. The time is nearer. Let us eat the bread and drink the cup. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand? If you need prayer for anything as the service closes, there'll be people over here ready to pray with and for you for anything. Let me pronounce a blessing over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And everybody said, Amen.